Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. The Houndsman XP podcast is fueled by Joy Dog Food. Joy Dog Food has a rich tradition of supporting the Houndsman of America. Founded in 1945, Joy is proud of its history and the relationship it has built with the American Houndsman. And in 76 years, there's never been a recall. Made with 100% American-made high-quality ingredients, Joy Dog Food has one of the highest calorie-dense formulas on the market. For 76 years, this made-in-America product has kept hunting dogs in the field day after day, season after season. And when we say made in America, Joy has a long track record of fighting for American freedoms by being on the front lines against the animal rights movement and their extremist tactics. Joy will fuel your hounds and fight for your freedoms, fueled by Joy. You know, we all have that one special dog hanging out on the porch. He's just a little bit of this and a little bit of that. All these things you like coming together to make one superb dog. That was exactly what we had in mind when we made this show. Welcome to All Mixed Up. Welcome everybody to All Mixed Up. This month, we are going to mix it up even more normally. I have uh, Lauren joining me, but she's out adventuring right now. She's living a houndsman's dream. She's in the wilds of Colorado, having a great time with her dogs. So I mix it up and I brought Chris Powell in today. Welcome, Chris. Hey, thanks. Thanks for allowing me to be on your show, Seth. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, I'm really excited to have you on, but it's a it's going to be good. You know me. I like to mix it up. You bet. Name of the show. Uh, we got a really awesome show this month, and uh, I'm excited for what you brought to the table as well. But I'm just going to give a brief teaser, everybody. We got we got a little bit of everything. We have a retur- two return guests. Patrons will know both of them. I've had them as bonus material for Tailgate Talks, but they've also uh, Scott Allen has been on the show before, and he's returning. He's going to give us some awesome that tips on guy. <laughs> I mean, he travel he travels around the world photographing. Hounds. I hope you're going to talk to him about how to set up a good, good photo. Absolutely. So for all mixed up, everybody, I wanted to break down true artistry behind the lens. And Scott really is an artist like his check him out at SA field sports on his Instagram handle. He has incredible pictures like jaw dropping quality. And so I reached out to him. I said, Hey, break it down. Tell us how to get awesome footage 
behind the camera. Tell us how to memorialize our hunts with our dogs for all time and make it awesome. Plus, everybody knows on the Patreon account, we have bonus material every week that comes out in the form of tailgate talks as well as cool videos, behind the scenes stuff, recipes. My talk with Scott Allen was awesome and it was almost an hour and 45 minutes long. So patrons, stay tuned. Uh, well, actually... If you have, by the time you're listening to this episode, it'll have been out for two days. Check it out on the Patreon account, you guys. It was a 50-minute talk about Scott's adventures in Spain, doing the craziest hunting I've he heard. Did, he, he went on a big adventure. Yeah, and cool. it is awesome. I also talk about the British obsession with catching carp, because, dude, they're <laughs> crazy about carp. I know he is. Do they call him carp? Well... Yeah. I mean, that's what I, I call it carp and he just rolled right with it and they have different kinds of carp and then they have what they call a barbel, which is like a carp. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 So it was crazy. And I, I really, um, I just come at things with an open mind and, uh, the, the case he presented for catching carp and barbel is actually an incredibly strong one. My name is <laughs> Seth Hall and I completely support that message. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, um, yeah. And then guys, You've heard us talk about this on the show a million times. I know Chris has had it out many times come out of his mouth, but we don't care if you're out hunting dry ground lions, you're coursing the noble hare, you're catching, putting bears in the no air, <laughs> or if you're catching <sighs> rats in the city with your dogs. How many times have you said that, brother? You bet. We got a good friend, patrons, you'll remember Mark Donovan. We're going to have him on the show this month, and he's going to break down the essentials of urban rat hunting. And I'll tell you what, I'll tell you, man, I think it's, I think that's a, it's a deep primeval instinct to go out and hunt. And it, I just love finding these guys in these huge urban centers that uh, can, can get down with the dogs in the city cool i love it and i i yep. fully agree with what we've talked about in the past where i think hunting is in your dna and i just i love when people make do with what they got they find something that it finds this spark and they go with it so we're gonna hear mark's story you guys he is a vivacious dude he is all over he loves what he does and he's pumped to talk about his dogs so uh getting what does vivacious mean Actually, I think that may that be like the context like of loquacious? women. <laughs> he is also that. <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, guys, he um, he's a bottle rocket full of energy, and I am going to hunt with him. He actually had to lay a dog up. You'll hear about all of it, guys. But I can't wait to have him on, so stay tuned for that, you guys. Um, but me and Chris, we want to catch up real quick, fill you guys in on anything we need to, and then we'll move right into the news. So, Chris... Tell us about any HXP happenings we need to know about, brother. Holy smokes, man. There's so much going on. I mean, as, I re as I'm as i looking at this, we're setting records for um, downloads, and it's all thanks to our listeners. Um, we're over 19,000 downloads on a Monday for the week. So, um yeah, it's it's uh, and I, I I mean that sounds braggadocious to and, and loquacious for me to sit here and talk about all of this. See, I'm I can drop the bombs. I can drop the bombs. Seth. He is learning. <laughs> <laughs> 
learning. <laughs> yeah. Wait until I start about talking about pontification and all that stuff. Oh. Uh, yeah. Um, no, but we got, we got a lot of cool stuff going on. The, our fans are great. And, um, a lot of people are just blowing up the Facebook group right now, you know, over on, on Houndsman XP podcast, Facebook, uh, it's a Houndsman XP podcast group on Facebook. Let me get this right. And, uh, people are engaging and they're sharing and they're talking about their hunts and they're talking about, you know, all kinds of things. And it's, it's just wonderful. I just, that's, that's the community that I was hoping to build. I'm uh, very excited about the fact that, that, and I'm going to give some shout outs here to some folks like Jason Snellgrove from Missouri with his Coonhound Collective. Uh, He's, he's, I listened to a podcast last week from him and, He's doing a great job and, um, uh, tree talking media with Ben sheets. Those he's capturing some great material. And that's what we always wanted to do when we started this was make houndsman XP and talking about hounds, but making the conversation about hounds, a mainstream topic where we talk about it. Like people talk about deer hunting, like they talk about fishing and we're seeing all that come come together right now so it's awesome i love it and i and i love yep. where how far we've come and again yep. you fans are the best i i do agree we have great fans i mean a lot of people reach out to us in positive ways and and i love how you know we've brought some shine some light on on unique hound hunting and that is what i kind of always had a great passion for is as being kind of this quote-unquote fringe kind of group i guess I love to talk to your people. friend. There's no <laughs> doubt about it. Yeah. And so I really wanted to um, kind of delve into those more like kind of unique aspects of it. So thanks for catching us up, buddy. Um, I, uh, I'm really having a great time with it and I, I, we're putting out a great show and, and I love to be a part of it. So let's yeah. move right in. I know you got awesome, awesome news articles and you're going to be, uh, you're going to be uh, Lauren's job for this month. So let's move right in. Let me uh, let me look this up. I, I actually took a. So there was a dude. There was some dude in Pennsylvania, Brookville, Pennsylvania, that was arrested, and he's described as a man with an alcohol problem. He threw a dead groundhog through the door of his local bar because he was refused to be served. That'll get him served, of course. Uh, yeah, so he, I don't know if this was like a drive-by groundhog pitching or, or what we were doing here, but like he throws this dead groundhog through that, through the, through the door of his local bar, and because he, re, he was refused service after he was found to be uh, heavily intoxicated. Well, this seems to be commonplace in this, in this region. Because Brookville's police chief said that incidents uh, within the town, it's, it's, I'll just read it. Brookville's chief of police explained that the incident fits within the town's tradition of using dead animals as retaliatory weapons. A guy will get in an argument and put a dead squirrel on his girlfriend's doorknob, the chief said. That kind of thing. 
So he's stepping it up to the next level using a 20 pound ground squirrel. <laughs> yeah. Much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so they don't serve you at the bar because you've had one too many and boom, you pitch a, pitch a dead groundhog through, That'll the, teach them. through the door. That's right. <laughs> Introduce a little plague in there too, while you're at it. it <laughs> the story doesn't, the story doesn't say whether or not, you know, he was arrested for that. I don't know what he would be arrested for really other than, I don't know. Or if he was vandalism, he, he, maybe, <laughs> maybe, I don't know. Maybe he was picked up for a DUI down the road and it's like, Oh, you're the guy that pitched the groundhog through the bar door. But I guess if it's a town tradition, everyone's like, well, I mean, it was a yeah. good idea. How did the police ever get notified if this is like a regular thing that happens in Brookville, Pennsylvania? Maybe it's they like, were more who, mad that he was drunk driving than pitching corpses. <laughs> I bet I bet there was somebody from out of town that called him in. <laughs> it's like, it's like oh no, that's just Carl. He always you know, we do that stuff around here. We pitch dead animals and in, in businesses. Don't call the cops or we'll be a deer next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll get the back straps out of it. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> People are crazy oh my gosh yeah that never would in my million years would i think to go get a dead animal to throw through the window of some place but not only that but i don't live in pennsylvania yeah exactly it's a a tradition it's like oh there's a dead squirrel hanging on the yeah i pissed i I pissed him off last night and uh (laughs) my boyfriend off last night dad so there that's why the dead squirrel's there and it's just like oh okay yeah well have a good day hon Pennsylvania listeners, tell us, is this an isolated event or is this a Pennsylvania thing? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely, man. This thing just blew my doors off when I saw it. And the chief's like, oh, yeah, it happens all the time. <laughs> my friend in North Texas, he said when he was a kid, they used to love to put opossums in people's mailboxes. But I they... was going to share that story. We there do that right here, too. <laughs> I, well... Um, it's been several years since <laughs> I've engaged in it. You can't but, see the mischievous look, everybody, but I can. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No I, doubt. I, the only the only wildlife that I could put in a mailbox that would be any time any good would be a snake, but that's messed up. <laughs> we don't have yeah. possums. I guess a coon, but I don't want to catch a coon. <laughs> you, can, you could put a mirror or um, um, a ring tail. Oh, about a they're, not, they're not aggressive though. You'd open it up and it would just be like, like well, take off the possum. I mean, a possum's going to sit there and he's going to yeah. he's going to hiss at you. The the only good thing about doing that is you have to be where you can see the reaction of the person <laughs> when they're checking their mailbox. So there's a lot of logistics involved in that. You've got to catch the possum. You've got to you've got to get it in a situation where you can actually stuff it in the mailbox. And that usually is like the night before. And I'm talking totally out of just what I've heard, not experienced. Um, and then you've got to know what time the mail route runs for that person. And then you've got to be in a position where you can see the reaction. Cause if you don't see the reaction, it's all lost trail cameras. <laughs> yeah. But back in the day you had to be in yeah. the bushes. Yes. Binoculars. <laughs> yeah. A steak, uh, a possum stakeout. And I'm just going to oh, say yeah. this. For the record, Houndsman XP does not condone federal crimes of tampering with mailboxes. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. So yeah. 
so back in the day you had to have this big camera you know video cameras were big back in the day vhs tapes and they looked like you know news camera and those were hard to conceal and pack and get into the weeds and and be able to see this sort of stuff I think that's one of the greatest advancements of smartphones is that everybody has an HD camera in their pocket now. And the craziest <laughs> stuff is captured on phones and you see it all over the internet now. So no doubt. Awesome. No doubt. Hey, I'm going to ask no you doubt. a quick question. You're a master of the raccoon. Do you think a coyote, a wild coyote could predate on a full grown raccoon? You bet. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I saw, I saw some trail camera footage of two adult coyotes killing a full grown adult coon and it oh, wasn't yeah. easy. I mean, it took them like 30 minutes to wear them down, but they yep. did do it. And yeah, it's a, it's a you know, risk reward type situation. Like everything else is a value of the meal really worth it. But, um, abs- yeah, I mean, coons, coyote populations will affect, uh, <clears throat> coon populations as well. Interesting. For sure. Yep. It, it was really a surprising video. I was like, whoa, crazy. Yeah. Trail cameras was it the one incredible. was it the one with the coyotes on log yes yes yeah. it, was, it was a small family of raccoons i think but yeah. they ended up getting the smaller one but i, yeah, I think they hit the kittens hard yeah well that makes sense they're super up i don't i don't think any of our desert coyotes would attempt it they're just too small like a big male weighs 30 pounds a female weighs like 25 pounds they're so small it's just well, it's incredible actually how skinny and tiny they you, are as you go north raccoon body size increases you know it, it multiplies i think yeah. if you get up to wisconsin and minnesota you know 25 pound raccoons are not oh no i'm saying coyotes our yeah. coyotes weigh that much well i'm, I'm yeah. talking about raccoons being that size but down in the midwest down where i'm at you know in my lifetime somebody asked me one time how many raccoons over 20 pounds they were like oh i bet that's common for you it's really not i mean 20 pound raccoons over the course of my hunting career, probably a dozen, maybe, wow. you know, okay. it's just when you've got your hands on a 20 pound raccoon, you take it home away and it's like, man, this sucker is big, <laughs> you know, and, and you take it home. But, but, uh, you see those, those baby bears from the North woods and you're just like, I ain't got nothing. Yeah. I, when I, when, uh, Lauren told me how big coons can get, I was, Wow. You know, because here yeah. they just, they're way smaller, way smaller. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. Keep rolling in with the news. I know you got more, brother. Yeah. I got, I got one thing that people need to be paying attention to, and this is on the serious side. Uh, this whole refuge deal going on right now with ammunition, you need to be paying attention to that. They are, tr- the, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service just uh, released that they are moving forward with a ban of all lead ammunition on certain or what they on designated federal properties so right now it is uh being pitched as a refuge deal only on fish and wildlife refuges and then but but what we need to be on point for is the bleed over into national forest into uh blm land anything like that right if and i'm taught i mean you think about the devastation that would be doing to hunting and the, the ability to participate in hunting, it's, I mean, it's, it's astronomical. If you really start thinking about it, your flintlock that you yeah. enjoy hunting with. Exactly. Boom. 
you cannot use it to hunt with anymore on federal federally owned land, which is um, the only place I can hunt. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So this is being, this is being pushed by, uh, you know, this, there's a lot of backroom dealing going on here and Hunter nation just posted a link where you can contact your representative to, um, make your opinion known and stand up against this and make sure that they know that they should be voting against it. So you should check out Hunter nation, check out that, um, the lead ban, uh, they're coming after our ammunition, I think is the title of the article and make your, make your voices heard in Washington that we're not going to stand for this. Prepare your narrative too. And I'll give you some quick, quick points that you could bring up the amount of lead that hunters are scattering on public lands is infinitesimal. You're shooting maybe two or three bullets at an animal. One, yeah, hopefully, ideally, but you're putting out an absolutely infinitesimal amount of lead when you're big game hunting with a modern weapon. So, I mean, guys, that's one thing. Another thing too, obviously, we all know that lead has better ballistic coefficient. It hits better. It does a much more humane job of dispatching an animal than a solid copper bullet, unless they're extremely high-end copper bullets that are very, very expensive, which could be the point of this entire legislation. That's they're trying to they're trying to price ammo out of reach yeah. of the the normal uh, average American Joe hunter. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that's that's the thing that they're trying to do is is trying to put that ammo price out of reach for for us. And and then if you think about it. I mean, you think about the, the technology um, research and development that companies are going to have to do to be able to, to build a bullet that can perform. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to put them, we're going to put ammunition companies out of business with this. It's going to be crazy. So, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's, thanks for bringing that up. And, and let's keep an eye on that because, I mean, what are we going to do if we can't hunt with a widely available and effective ammunition that really isn't polluting. You know, it's, it's one thing when you stop shotgun use of lead ammunition on a waterfowl zone, because that's obviously been proven multiple times. But when you're talking about the empty expanses of federal land that make up most of the American West, come on, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And and this started a long time ago with, with what you just talked about on waterfowl resting areas and different things like that with the use of lead. But this is a good example of how the anti-hunting animal extremists are so strategic. They started yes. this. They started this last year. When you saw that that post on Facebook of the bald eagle that was being affected by lead ingestion, they were doing a few things there. National symbol. Okay, let's talk about strategy. National symbol, bald eagle. Oh my gosh. And then we've got the lead ingestion, and then we've got how they're ingesting it. So it's it's that is how they plan, and that's how that's the kind of stuff that's going on behind the scenes in the back rooms. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, exactly right. You can't get behind that. Let's save our national symbol. You know they've they've painted us into a corner right now because when we step out and say. Ah, we we're, we we want to use lead. Oh, you want to kill bald eagles? We we showed you how to kill them bald eagles. You know, painted this into a corner. Well, again, it's all it's all optics. So make yep. sure that we yep. have our optics and that's right in reverse. So 
Very good. Thank you. Those are the two big things. One thing that I would tell everybody is make sure you go to Sportsman's Alliance and check out that education program they've got over there. You can go to conservationadventures.org. This is the greatest single program I've seen since we started Hunter Education and our uh, the Hunter Education program. You know, we're talking about curriculum for school age kids, and it's all written and based on the North American model for wildlife conservation. Check it out. This is exactly what we need to be paying attention to as well. And it's guys, we've all been guilty of that. And you scrolling by, you see these things. It doesn't take long. And to get the more educated you get in these topics, the better you get at being a leader in the community and the better chances we have of continuing our lifestyle. There's just no other way around it. I mean, I, I agree. And and I've thank got, you. Go ahead. I've got a, I've got a copy of the curriculum and I'm going through it right now and uh, trying to work with the sportsman's Alliance. One, one of the holes and one of the, the faults with the, the hunter education material that's been out for years is it doesn't specifically talk about hounds and hounds being part of the wildlife management plan and the value of hounds. And um, so I'm going through this conservation adventures uh, deal with, with Sportsman's Alliance and looking, find, trying to find ways where we can, we can plug ourselves into the process so Perfect. that's one of the things that I'm working on right now for houndsmen across the United States and across the world, really. Preserve, protect, promote. Yep. We all have a little bit Every to play day. in there. Every day. That's awesome. Thank you, Chris. Well, we're going to roll right into our first segment, you guys. I uh, I just, yeah, I, I have been having so much fun with this show. So, Chris, thanks for letting me produce it. I, I've been having a great been time. been doing a great job with it. I uh I just want to roll right into it, you guys. Welcome Scott Allen back to Houndsman XP. He's gonna break down how we use our camera to maximize art in capturing our dogs forever. So I'm gonna I wanna take you to the next part of our chat because we have already been at it for 45 minutes, brother. We can go and we'll definitely do this again because I have many more questions to ask you about hunting. Because I've only touched on the, the actual hound hunting in Spain and I've done a lot of sight hound hunting in Spain as well for hares. Exactly, and, and where I was going to go. Rabbiting, so we do need to do another one, and I'm, I'm ready whenever you are, but yeah. Oh, perfect. Yeah, because I want to talk to you about um, I want to talk to you about the sight hound stuff there. Like the, the hare coursing is huge, mm-hmm. and also the galgos are really big there, and also the abesian hound, like rabbit hunting. Yeah. I wanted to talk to you about that, but we'll get there. Yeah, no <laughs> Let me ask you, you... You are obviously a great photographer, and I wanted to focus for this episode about how to just do a good job for laymen to get better photos of their dogs hunting. And so I just wanted to start with the basics of, you know, what's a good camera style? Like there's so much, there's so much jargon in the camera world and it's really intimidating for people on the outside. Like what is DSLR and all that stuff? And you don't have to get into the technical stuff, but just let's break it down for houndsmen. What is a great camera to start with that's you know in a budget but also works good for what they need so if you're starting out um, completely from scratch and you have no photography background at all then i started out with a, a canon 700d which may have been now replaced with a 750d but you know, me saying this i believe they're called rebels in america so oh, okay. I, I don't know what the equivalent rebel model would be um sorry but that, i don't 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, it's good. It's just a good start. A, yeah. a good place to invest. If, if you were going to spend, say, $400, $500 on an entry-level DSLR, then it's in your best interest to invest the money in good lenses. Gotcha. So, What's a good millimeter lens for the, the all-arounder work? I use a 75 to 300, and I've been pretty happy with it. Yeah, I think um, a 75 to 300 or a 70 to 200 um, is a good... It's by no means a starter lens because it's not the cheaper end of the scale, but at the same time, it's definitely not the more expensive end of the scale. Um, it's sort of a mid, mid-table lens, but if, if you want to do it right, that's where I'd be going. I'd be going with a 70 to 200 um, and an f2.8. So what does that mean? Um, every lens is going to come with a f-stop rating. So whether it be f1.2, which is the really, you know, expensive and a really good end of the scale or you know f6.3 which is going to be the far end and the, the <coughs> cheaper end of the scale um so f1.8 is going to be a really shallow depth of field so if you've got for argument's sake a pencil laid down in front of you if you're shooting at f1.2 to f1.8 you might just get the tip and the, of the lead in focus but if you then open it up to say f4.5 you'll get a bit more of it in focus say half of the pencil and then if you were to go right down to say f11 you might get the whole the whole pencil in focus so the, the f-stop is the amount of area that's in focus the smaller the area in focus so 1.2 means you can operate on less light so it lets it lets okay. more light into the camera um, and subsequently you can take photos a lot later on into the night and then when you go down to like f11 that lets in a really little amount of light um, and subsequently you're going to struggle to get fast photos and you might struggle to get things like action shots and late night shots with f11 unless you're on a tripod if you shoot a tripod at f11 of a night you know you could do a long exposure and that'd be cool. interesting so that lower f-stop is ideal for fast moving things because it's going to let in that light quickly and, and let it get the picture fast. Because if you have a slow shutter speed, it's it's going to be very blurry when something's moving, right? Yeah. But then okay. you, you've got to then work out the balance yourself of where that um, where that f-stop needs to be. So you might shoot at f1.2, and then when you get it back, you might find the dog's eyes in focus, but its body's not. Mm. Um, I mean, if the, if the dog's, you know, a decent distance away, it's, the full thing's going to be in focus, but if you're close up to it, you're going to be limiting the amount that's going to be in focus. And that's the thing too, is when you get a camera, don't be intimidated to explore some of its settings because I'll be honest, I just put it on the action setting and, and let it do its calculations for me as best as it can. But, you know, when you have time to take the camera to the next level, I feel that the quality improves so much. Like, I just don't have that kind of time when I'm like hauling ass across the grassland in my vehicle. But... If you're taking portraits, which is what I think is true art, I think that's where you know using those settings comes in handy a lot better. And and uh, yeah, I mean I am a total amateur, so break down what makes a good portrait shot for a dog. Okay, so so first of all, um, as you said, if 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 people are wanting to get into photography, then shooting action priority is not a bad way to go about it, especially if you're wanting to take you know fast shots of dogs running and things like that. If you then work out how the shutter speed works, because that's what you learn shooting action priority. 
um, you know, you can then grow into shooting fully manual. Um, but what what makes a, a good portrait? Um, I don't know. I, I don't think mine are, are that good. But I, I I know other people do. But I, I'm I'm very very self-critical. I, I I always think they need to be better. Um, I always think if I'm if I'm photographing a lot of my photographs are of moments. They're not just like snapshots. They're of you know they're of a behaviour or um, something going on or you know an interaction between a dog and a person things like that. So if I'm trying to photograph that moment, why do I I I don't think I need the background in focus because. I'm wanting to draw your attention to that moment and that moment alone. So I don't want to be shooting at, at F, F6 or F5 or whatever and, and letting people see you know, the pine trees in the background because Dave sat in Kentucky knows what a pine tree looks like. So it's 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 never been, I've always just thought of it like that, like why, why do they need to see that if the whole point of the image is that? Um, so I, I like to shoot fairly low, I do a lot of my images are f2.8 um, and I go up to about 4.5 for the most part um, I will shoot 1.2 when I'm using the 50mm but um, most of the time I'm using my 70-200 which is limited to f2.8 um, and yet I'm looking someone, someone said to me when I was about 13 whilst I was fishing he said before you take a photo you need to know what you're taking a photo of and, and he said, it won't make sense to you now. He said, but it'll make sense to you one day. Um, and and, and that, that's probably been the best bit of advice I've, I've ever had. It's because, you know, if you're just going to lift your camera up and take a photo without any thought, then you might as well save yourself a thousand pounds and just use your iPhone. Yeah. I mean, that's so true because I was going to say, I, I think that's what makes the photos much better is when they speak. They tell a story in that one image yeah and i really love that you know that's what i was hoping you'd mention is for the portrait stuff is that it's so nice when the object that you're trying to tell the story of is in focus and everything else is kind of blurrier that really brings your attention straight to that moment which is i think so next level <laughs> um it it's it, so it also when when you're shooting um with a camera of the quality that the camera i'm currently shooting with you know, it, it can sometimes give off a, an almost 3D appearance, you know, because as you said, everything's blurry in the background and, you know, it's just the the actual subject that's that's focused. Um, so I like I like that aspect of it. I like it when the images really, really appear to be almost 3D. Um, yeah, I do too. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just, yeah, it, I, I, love, I love editing the photos when they're like that and you, you know straight away as soon as you click that shutter button, you're like, that's the one. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of what I'm. I'm not trying to. I never ever try to set up a shot. All my photos are candid, um, so they're all just as and when. And I and I don't say to people, you know, I'm going to take your photo now or whatever like that. I want people and I want their dogs to be behaving, you know, 100 percent naturally. Yeah, I like those are always the best ones. Yeah. I totally agree. The you know the the only like posed shots for lack of a better expression that I'll ever take. Is like where I'm in America, and you know the ha we've hunted all day, and the hounds are pegged out, and I'll go and photograph the hounds whilst they're pegged out. That's about the closest that I'll get to like a posed shot. Um, mm -hmm. Other than that, everything's just candid. Everything's just looking, understanding what a dog's doing, understanding a dog's behaviour. You know, getting a dog's attention just with you know just a, a little squeak, a dog will look at you, um, and, yeah. and it'll look straight down your lens because that's where the noise came from. Um, and it's just things like that. 
little, little tips that you, you sort of pick up on the way. Um, I, I was going to ask you too, and I jumped ahead, but you, so you think a DSLR is probably the best choice for a mid-range entry-level kind of cam- camera to get started in this? Yeah, um, I think I think anyone who wants to take photography seriously needs to be using a DSLR, and they need to be editing images. Now, normally I'd say they need to be shooting in RAW as well, as opposed to JPEG, but editing raw images you may have to you know you're then talking uh, an editing software and you know whether there's any subscription fees for the added bonus of editing raw images Um, I do all my images on my iPhone on my um, Adobe Lightroom app Um, I use Lightroom as well yeah and it's I I pay I, I pay considerably more because I get a decent amount of memory and I can leave my images on there but you can get Adobe Lightroom, I believe, for about ten pound a month or ten dollars a month. Um, yep, which is, that's what I use. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 which is nothing. It's a it's a great it's a great price, and you get it you is. get the full features. Um, like you get the same amount of features I get. I think I pay about forty pound a month, but I get about five terabyte worth of you know just cloud storage to keep my images on. Yeah, see, I I just put it all on a hard drive. But the cloud is so nice because you you can use it anywhere. And I'm glad you brought up post-image processing because a lot of people may not know that anytime you take a picture, you find one that looks great, but it can be so much better with just a little bit of tweaking. And I use Lightroom as well. Um, So I I just kind of wanted to – I'm glad you brought that up and made that clear that a good photo can be great – with just some help yeah, from post-processing. Definitely, I, I think, you know, if, if someone's really, really wanting to get into photos and, and, and get the best out of the camera, then they need to be editing the photos and ideally they want to be shooting raw. Um, yeah, what is raw? Break that down. So, raw collects so much more data than just what's in front here in terms of, you know, if you look at a picture on your phone, it's, it's not just collecting them colors that are on that picture. It's collecting so much more data from you know the shadows and the highlights and things like that. Whereas JPEG, you, you really don't get as much, and you you can't do as much in post processing as you can if you photograph in RAW. So RAW for me is essential. I, I I I've tried to go back and shoot JPEG just to see what it's like, and I, I really don't feel like I can get the best out of the images as you know knowing that if I'd have shot it in RAW, I could have done so much more. Yeah, JPEG file size would be like you know, whatever, like a hundred megs or something. Yeah. But a raw file is like five times bigger. Yeah. There's so much data in there. Yeah. And the only reason I can't shoot in raw is because it does have a delay while it's saving it to your memory card and I gotta just machine gun those things out in the in the action. You have know? you got your memory card to hand? No uh I just do I have it with me now, yeah. is that what you said? No I don't. I might it's at home. Do you know what yeah. the um the megabytes per second rate is? Oh, that's a good point. So I should probably buy one that has a faster like yeah, processing so, ability. Yeah, so I think the one I've got behind me is about um, 300 megabytes a second. Um, and I'm guessing yours might nice. be a little slower. Mm. I am learning. This is good. But yeah, if, if, you, if you look into that, it'll say on the front of the card what, what the rating is. Um, and you'll just be able to you know buy one that's a bit better. And you know you might, you might, you might get 10 shots before it starts buffering. You might get 30 shots before it starts buffering. It just depends on your camera body. Huh. Yeah, I'm going to look at that, and I'm really keen on knowing that because, yeah, I would love to get my photos in RAW, 
you know, it's just so much better, but I've always had to use crappy JPEGs because I just have to be able to just have my action mode on and the burst setting when you just hold it down, focus yeah. it, and and then just hold it down and just let it just fire out. And, and that's another thing too. Um, how many pictures do you think you take in between each gold mine? That's something I learned too. You go out and you take seven pictures and you're like, oh, I took seven good pictures. It's, it's, it's not as good as you think. <laughs> I mean, it, that's a tough question because... You know, I'm, I'm, I'll probably get good images every time I'm out, but the ones that like really ignite the fire, they're the ones, you know, when I'm going out hunting in Spain and I've never been hunting in Spain and I'm really inspired to get that shot. Whereas most of the time I'm going out hunting rats or hunting rabbits or whatever and I've been doing it since I was 13 and it's, <coughs> it's sort of got to the point where, you know, I'm not, it's not that I'm not passionate about taking the images, I, I love taking the images, but it's like I've done this before. So that the drive isn't there. Whereas right. when I go to Spain or when I go to America or when I go to France, it's like it's all fresh to me. It's like I've got one opportunity to do it. So that's when you know the images. Like I tend to take me better images when I'm really switched on and keen for it. Yeah, you taking tons of volume and just kind of cherry picking your favorite ones. Yeah, especially when I'm when I'm in Spain or wherever. Usually in the UK, I might take you know six hundred, seven hundred photos, which. I don't think it's that many, but when I'm in Spain, I might fill two memory cards just because I'm trigger happy, not not wanting to miss an opportunity. Yeah, <laughs> that's how I I've gotten to the point now where when I'm like taking pictures of a three and a half minute course, you know, in between the first and the fourth kilometer of that run, I've probably dropped six hundred pictures. Yeah. I'm just just holding it down like a machine gun, you yeah. know, and maybe maybe there's. 30 or 40 in there that are really nice yeah and one that's like oh you know like the the holy grail what you're looking for yes and so i i feel like it's good a lesson for folks to volume is key yeah (laughs) that's a great hit rate but to really improve on that hit rate it'll all be about timing with your when you're taking the photos so if you if you're taking 40 photos of a dog 20 foot behind a hair it's likely that you might get you know one good one or whatever that you're happy with but if you wait until that dog's a foot from a hair and he's about to put a turn in and then you hold your shutter down you're going to get so many more that are that are where are you catching because you're going to get the dog's eyes open you're going to get the beautiful dog point pant and you're going to get the dog you know the dust kicking up from the hair on the, the dog so it, it's it's all about timing um and choosing when you're going to use that base rate beautiful that's a good point i took that for granted such a good so true so true when I first started, I just was spraying and praying, and you're right. Now I kind of hold for the turns and and more of like the the when they line the hair out and they're galloping at maximum capacity, you know that kind of stuff. That's yeah. a great tip. Thanks for that. And, and before I said the seventy to two hundred would be a good starter lens. Now, for the like the type of dog work that yourself and I do, that is a great starter lens. But if you're out with hounds and once you let them off the truck, you don't see them for another hour, and then you get there and you're at a tree. Then a seventy-two hundred might be, you know, a bit too tight, and you might want a fifty or a, a twenty-four to seventy. That might be more suited, and um, something a bit wider because you're going to be up close with the dogs as you dump in the box, and then you're not going to see the dogs again. And then you're going to be up close with the dogs as you're at the tree, and you know, you, perfect advice. You might then want yep. be wanting to get the dogs and the cat in the photo, so a, a twenty-four to seventy might be a better better option for that sort of houndsman. And you know. Those so the smaller millimeters have a wider field of view. Are they better, more adept at certain styles, 
or is it really just based on that lens of specs? Um, they're obviously better for things like landscape photography because you can actually get the landscape in them. Whereas with like a 7200, you're going to be looking at a landscape, lift your camera up to your eye, and you're just going to see one tree that's in the middle of the camera. So for things like that, they're a lot better. For things like you've got dogs at the bottom of a tree and a cat or a raccoon or a bear at the top of a tree, you're going to get both of them in the shot. So for things like that, it's going to be better. But if you're wanting to zoom in and photograph a lion's face while it's in a tree, then, you know, 70 to 200 mil is the sort of thing you're wanting. Gotta have that reach. Yeah, yep. yeah. I think some of the best pictures I've ever taken were actually with a shorter lens, but, and with a, yeah, like you were saying, a much lower f-stop, but I just cannot get those um, when I'm trying to watch dogs, you know, flooring it a half mile away, Yeah. you know? Yeah. They're just little atoms out there. <laughs> so With lenses, um, a lot of the time, you know, the general rule of thumb is if it's a fixed focal length, it's probably a better lens. So if it's just a 50 millimeter, if it's just a 135, if it's just a 35. Oh, However, okay. the problem with that is dogs don't stay a fixed distance away from you. Yeah. So things like the 24 to 70, the 70 to 200, the 100 to 400, I'll be using them much more than my primes unless it's, you know, unless it is a portrait where, where something stood still and I know it's going to stay still then I'll be using the prime lenses, which are the, the fixed focal lengths. Nice. Yeah, that's, this is all great advice. I'm learning a lot as you're talking. All right, <laughs> <laughs> and making sense of, of the kind of stuff that my, the like preset modes kind of do for you. I'm really trying to branch into taking more beautiful pictures instead of just the content being cool. And it really, like people are like, oh, you're a great you know photographer. And I'm like, not really. All I do is just point and shoot with that camera doing most of the work you know <laughs> yeah it's 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 um i suppose it's trial and error um you, a lot of practice yeah you've, you've got to just set a day up and just go out with the intention of taking photographs of the dog and just put it on manual and jump in at the deep end and go for it i imagine so, i imagine where you are in the world most of the time you're going to be in bright sunlight <laughs> yes, so, you are correct. <laughs> so ninety percent of the time, your ISO is going to be around about one hundred. Um, if you if you shoot fully manual, it's, it, throughout most of the day over there, you'll probably be one of, like 100, 200, 400, the lower end of the. Screen. What is ISO? God only knows what it stands for. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> what does it do? It, help, it helps you. So, let's say you've not got much light. Um, and you're wanting to take a photo at one five hundredth of a second because you've got a dog running. If you bump that ISO up to say ISO thirty two hundred, that's going to help you compensate for that little bit of light, and it's going to draw in a lot more light. I don't know how, but it does. <laughs> I don't know the technical term. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so most of the time, when you've got bright, bright sunlight, you're not going to need to go more than you know ISO one hundred, two hundred, four hundred, um, and then you you know. The next thing you're looking at then is your f-stop so if you're wanting to take photos where it's in focus and everything else is blurred you want it to be down the lower end so f2.8 to f4 is pretty is a pretty good range for dogs um anything lower you may lose you know aspects of the image out of focus anything higher you're going to start getting the things in the background in focus which which may be up you know some people's street and that's fine if they want the background in focus then you know go for f5 f6 f, you know that sort of region but yeah so if you do go fully manual and you're, you're somewhere hot just whack your iso into you know one two or four hundred get your f-stop right 
and then just adjust your shutter, your shutter speed to compensate. If you are somewhere bright and sunny, your shutter speed's pretty much always going to be fairly high anyway. Mm-hmm. Just make that snapshot. And one thing I was going to ask you, so I have a set budget. What should I spend my money on? A really nice body and an average lens, or maybe a nice, an average, maybe a uh, whatever body, but a really nice lens, or try to get halfway in between? What do you think? I think I'd try and get a decent lens, so probably a 70 to 200 f2.8, which I think over here we can get for about a thousand pound. And then I'd try and get a second hand high quality DSLR with gotcha. whatever was left over. Um, so I, I started yeah. with um, my, my, my camera bodies grew before my lenses grew, and then I outgrew the lenses. And once I bought a decent lens, I was like, it was just like um, being catapulted forward in terms of my progression because it was like I've been holding myself back with these 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 not so good lenses for so long. Yeah, lenses. I, I feel the same way. I gotta, and and I'm man, I'm feeling vindicated right now because I got a used camera body, and it actually has been doing really good. I got a, a medium range, pretty good camera body at the time. Now it's woefully outdated, but I got it used, and then I just spent to get good. Well a medium to average good lens and man the image quality like you were saying you just it makes you feel a lot better yeah. you know and i think as well if people are you know anxious about buying second-hand equipment you're not buying you know a second-hand pedal bike or something like that you're buying something that for the person who you're buying it off probably cost them a fair few thousand pound and you know they're likely a photographer and you know they've looked after it as a result so it's not a case of you buying something that someone's abused and ran down. It's you know it's it, it's a more safer bet. There's also quite a few websites out there that deal solely in second-hand camera equipment, and they they'll have on their ratings. So you can go on there and you can see you know well, we've got we've got this camera lens. It's 200, but it's very poor quality. And then we've got this camera lens, the same lens, and it's 900, and it's you know like new quality. So there is reputable Perfect. reputable second-hand companies out there that you can use. That's great advice. Yeah, because a lot of people don't want to spend the money if they're like, oh, I got this iPhone in my pocket. It does it. No, no it doesn't. No. iPhone, the cell phone cameras are amazing. Okay, I'm going to be the first one to say that what they can do is incredible, but nothing beats a DSLR in your hands. No. I, I mean, just from my own rudimentary experience, you know, and then in the hands of someone like you, it's a phone can never get that kind of stuff. No, I think I think I only use my phone for like um, screenshots. <laughs> if, I, if I need if I need to take a photo, it's just the cameras coming out. Um, but yeah, the, the camera on the on the phones, they just they're just incredible for you know how much they're improving year on year. Taking pictures of your dinner yeah. and posting them to Facebook. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, is there anything you would like, is there any advice you would like to give, Scott, if uh, something I may have didn't think of? There's probably a lot I didn't think of, but is there anything uh, you had in your mind that you needed to, to let everyone know about photographing dogs better? Yeah, well, I think if, if people are going to start photographing dogs, um, you know, in the back of their mind, they always need to be conscious of what they're photographing. Because if you're taking a photo, photograph, you're likely to share the photograph. And not everyone comes from the same background and not everyone's going to look at that image in the same light. So if you're going to put that image out in the public domain, you know, just be conscious of what you're putting out there and 
you know, don't don't be taking photos and posting things that you know doesn't show the hunting world in a in the best of lights. Perfect. That'd be the that'd be the biggest thing. Um, and then for the most part, it's just trial and error. You know, the more photos you take, the better you're gonna get. Be be intensely self-critical. Never take a photo and and say, you know, this is look at this photo. It's it's the best photo. You know, look at it and say, what did I do wrong? And what am I gonna do next time? And why did I do it wrong? And that that's probably the best thing I'd, I'd say to people. And also that that bit of that bit of advice that someone gave to me, you know, think about what you're photographing before you photograph it. You know, think about. I, I can't ex I can't describe it, but it'll make sense to them one day. When it tells a story. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Well, Scott, thank you so much for coming on, buddy. We will talk again because, man, I'm not even close to done picking your brain. And we're going to go back to Spain, but we've already been going for an hour and a half almost, brother. So uh, let's do this again, and I can't thank you enough for coming on. Thanks again, buddy. No problem. Thanks for having me, and you, you let me know when you're ready. Yes, sir, I will. How many times do you hound doggers catch yourself thinking about an awesome hunt you had or retelling this great story with family and friends around the dinner table and all you have to remember that moment is some terrible cell phone picture or worse, no picture at all? Well, Houndsman XP has partnered with Rough Cut Company to help solve your problem and make beautiful pieces of art to remember for all time your experiences in the field. Rough Cut Company is an American-owned and American-made business in Wisconsin that specializes in custom, unique photo engravings on hardwood that are framed to any picture you want. They also do customizable antler dog chews and even beautiful, unique antler rings from their own red deer in Wisconsin. Rough Cut Company can do pretty much anything you ask their customer service is second to none. Give them a look at roughcutcompany.com. And when you check out, make sure you check out with HXP 10% off to get a discount on your final purchase. Check them out, you guys, and support people that support Houndsmen and help keep us in the field and remembering those times forever. Man, Scott, Scott does such a great job. All right. You can just see it in his photos, and um, he's a he's a skelter from Liverpool. <laughs> no, no, it's a it's a uh, what? No, 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 no. No, he is. It, the word is Go different. Scouser, Scouser. No, it's no. Go back and listen to John Broadhairs, the terrier guy that okay. I had on a few few months ago. Yep. Okay. Yep. Either way, you guys heard me say it a hundred times in the interview, but he it's it, he is an artist and his photos are incredible. And patrons, I'm gonna say it again. Uh, you guys are getting access to more the the hunting in Spain. He invited me and I was like, ooh, you know, that's something I gotta see. And when I heard him talking about it, oh my gosh, it's so crazy. So uh go check it out, you guys. Um, and I'm just gonna give a shameless plug, patreon.com, search houndswin XP. We're right there bonus material uh bonus episodes behind the scenes cool videos of our dogs hunting recipes you name it it's there. stories written articles we're proud of what we put out there and we want to make sure that for supporting hounds on xp you guys get cool stuff in return so thank you not to mention our drawings and all the other cool stuff that we give away all the time so monthly drawings for monthly merchandise drawings. and prizes and you know yeah which happened yesterday <laughs> by the time you hear yeah. this so, uh, 
Yeah. Well, I want to just keep going, Chris. The thing about all mixed up is that I always want to keep them shorter, but it never happens. You know, just the the way it is, these episodes can be a little longer. So we're just going to, we'll cut the banter and go straight into the next segment. Everyone welcome Mark Donovan back to Houndsman XP as he breaks down urban rat hunting. Let's do it. There are a lot of cool things hunted with dogs in this world. And it has been said many times on Houndsman XP before. But this, this is one of the coolest ones. I got a very special guest in the house. Patrons, you guys remember him. I got the urban rat hunting fan, Mark Donovan, on the line. Mark, welcome back to Houndsman XP, brother. Thanks, Seth, for having me. I appreciate being here. Man, Uh... The whole team is just pumped to have you here, dude. We really are. Well, I'm pumped to be here. I always love the show. Always makes me feel awesome listening to it when I'm on a walk around with the dog, hunt through the little streets, you know. Uh, it's just it's great. Always love talking dog anytime, anytime. Dude, yeah. We live for it. And obviously, your story is super unique and cool. And it is a small niche community of which I also am a member. So I have a soft spot in my heart for that. But yours is even more unique and cool, what you're doing, how you're hunting. Why don't you give us a brief breakdown of uh, where you live, what you hunt, and how you do it? Sure. Uh, I live in Boston, Massachusetts, inside called Boston proper. Um, uh, I originally just started uh, taking my sister's dog for walk to the shepherd. Somehow we ran across more rabbits than we were originally. But uh, over to my work, I really saw a lot of um, rodents. He started getting those, too. Um, so just after, you know, he wasn't really made for hunting, you know, exactly, you know, but he could still catch him every once in a while. <clears throat> so then when decided to get a dog to actually try it out, um, I went with a couple different groups around here that do it at Barnes. And um, there's a big group in New York called Rats that get together. For, it's like a terrier group. Uh, and they go, you know, go on little things. Uh, and once again, I'm kind of glad I did. Because sometimes, you know, especially living in such an urban environment, uh you you know you get a lot of online or a lot of people that have real serious dogs that you don't understand about what it's like to really live with a uh, hunting dog. You know, it's, yeah. uh, it's, 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 they sound great or they sound this and that. Like I definitely got uh, I talked myself out of uh, a Patadel just for paying those <laughs> that was down there a little bit. But um, uh, I got Hannibal. Uh, he's a De- uh, Decker Rat Terrier, and uh, we do mostly. Um, downtown boston and uh, i do my little area which is like a, a thickly filled suburb in boston um and i just enjoy hunting rats uh <laughs> you're hunting in the heart of a city which is something that a lot of people don't even consider and i think what i love about you and the other people that do this is that there he is the yeah. legend himself how's his tooth dude he's good he's uh, he's good now he's back at it he uh He's all over the place. Um, he, he now, you know, as soon as, um, yeah, as soon as, uh, yeah, as soon as it's good, I you gotta keep him on um, trialsadone, keep him down for a little bit because uh, he just likes yeah. to do stuff, you know. Uh, <laughs> he but, is a terrier. <laughs> and one thing too is kind of the vet said was like after we finish. Um, that was the other thing too was uh, for the implant. Like you know, we talked about it, but um, you know, because he was like, oh, you could put the implant in this and that, but he was just saying where. Sometimes where they use their mouth so aggressively, he's like, it's not really the best thing to have an implant because it's not natural the way it seats up perfectly. He's like, if they were doing little work and stuff like that, yeah, it'd be okay nah. for it. But like, 
he was like, if he's really like, he goes, that's probably how he probably lost it because of that. Like how, that's how he kicked it was, uh, I think he's probably going at walls or whatever. Um, but as soon as took it off him, came back, they checked it out. He seemed great, got a good bill of health, and uh, he's good to go again. We took him out. Uh, like I said, I've been doing around here lately just because uh, a couple of my neighbors complaining about uh, a lot of construction in the area and stuff. And it's a lot less action, but, like, once again, not – I feel bad complaining with how much you guys have to drive, you know. Like, <laughs> I was going to say, what is your commute? Like, five minutes? <laughs> well, no, to, to get uh, down to, like, the park area, the dumpsters, it's usually, like, 25 minutes at night kind of thing uh, compared to literally just walking out the house. Yeah. But, like, if I go out for, like, you know, say 90 minutes here, just take walk, uh, take him around, um, he'll probably in this area only get – three to seven chases and one or two, maybe, you know, depending on the thing, like I had them out all night this week. We only got two, uh, you know, um, but uh, the, you know, downtown when you hit the dumpsters with this mass food and I got this, the, the trash schedule, cause you, you know, you usually go twice a week. So it's like, you want to hit it the night before when it's overfilling. Or, you know. <laughs> Dude, I just got the biggest grin on my face. I love this, man. It's like, you're, Bray, you know, I love how you're talking strategy. Everyone, you know, hunting strategy. And you're like, I, you're like, yeah, you got a strategy to the dumpster times and everything. That's, I'm, I I have so many questions and, and the patrons have heard some of them, but this is the first time that I have had you on the main show, you know? And so I'm going to just break it down. Let's go for it, bro. Cause me and you can go a long time, but we got to, yeah, I want to, I, I want to break it down. So I don't wander off. Oh yeah, that. well, I'm legendary for that too. That's why the show is called All Mixed Up. <laughs> but all right, you know, so you know, with this, with the kind of hunters, we're not, you know, we don't, we don't tree, we don't bay, with a, you know, with a biter group. So we just a, catch. Yeah. <laughs> we just go in, but that's yeah. I need to get you a Run the Catch T-shirt, but with your rat terrier on it. So oh. it, briefly, I uh, your dog hurt his tooth hunting, and so now he's back online. Everyone, when I was talking about that earlier, his dog jumped oh, up into his lap, and yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, he when he went for his annual checkup, that just at that points out that he actually had a cracked tooth and it went all the way up. Uh, we like I said, we talked about implants, but it, he was. Uh, it's funny because I have a I have a very um, uh, not to, you know definitely not get political or anything like that, but a very um, liberal kind of vet like the area that I'm in. It's one of the better hospitals, but a very like this that's it up. And she's very understanding of quality of life, what the dog wants. Yeah. So like she haven't been negative about hunting or this and that and this and that. You know, but she's like. Well, you probably want to keep hunting, don't you? And I was like, like I think it's the first time that she was probably looking at it from that dog's point. You know, she's like, yeah. I think it would be the best thing for him, so he, you know, he'd still be more free. And I, I think that's still the right way. He didn't have any other problem with doing it. Uh, like I said, he's only got a couple back on there. I've been mean, took him on a downtown run, just trying to build him back up a little more stamina. But it's it's nice too. Um, I I also like when we go hunting. He's always on the harness, and when I pull the harness out, like he knows what's up. It's like that yeah. time. Like, if I clip the leash on just on his collar, he's like, oh, this is – not that he won't – not that we can't work together and get one when he's on the leash, but he just understands it's more like the calm time. When he goes into the, uh, you know, the harness, he, he almost likes to be that Tasmanian devil. Like, he'll, <laughs> he knows. he'll pull himself up on the back to, you know, just back two paws and kind of use it to, like, reach in and smell and stuff. <laughs> like, yeah, it's – I want to ask you right off the bat. We're going to roll into it. Break down – how you hunt in the heart of the city with your dog. Just take us from the minute you walk out the door and you're at your hot spot hunting. Go for it. Um, well, usually uh, I'll try to see what it's looking like. It's sometimes, but my, my hot spot is, uh, it's a group of dumpsters 
uh, like in the real downtown area uh, where the cobblestones are, like it's just like a walking area, but it's a bunch of restaurants and businesses all have these out to the back and they're kind of old and not in well condition. And it's just, uh, it's really that situation there. Um, so perfect for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. And once again, too, you know, I mean, there's some nights you have to be careful, just like I'll walk by it a couple times, like first leaving the car and just kind of scroll past and see the thing set up. Because if, if he comes in hot sometimes, you'll see them half scatter before he even gets close. So there's that little bit of just trying to almost blend in, like, hey, like, because they're used to seeing people, they're used to this and that, da, 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 but yep. they know when something's up, like, you know. Uh, so kind of like just stock out, just to get an idea if there's trash outside the dumpsters that are piled up. That's always the honey hole. Like uh, you go off a couple of to the side. And um, I usually kind of, uh, if I bring it with me, I, I have a, a kind of like stick with uh, two proker at the end. So he gets one and kind of moves on, just fashion kind of quick. Yeah. But uh, I always get one or two move away. But I get nervous. I don't want to be like trying to spare anything while he's actually doing his work by me. I use it really to whack on the dumpsters. Uh, they'll jump out, literally, like, jump. <laughs> like, they like, when you, I don't know if it's like a vibration thing, but it like pile in. Like, he'll be like on standby. Like, when I, it's funny because, like, he'll almost get angry because, like, if you hit it a couple times, he's expecting one to shoot out. So, like, like where is it? Where Has is he ever it? caught like, one midair? No, no, no. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, he's not, he's, he's unfortunately not too great in there. Like, Whenever they've jumped over, he's like misjudged horribly. He's he's and to be honest, it's it's kind of a hard. It, they have a decent because it's like an, uh, a short little fence that they can get under, probably uh. six feet away. So when they land, he's he definitely gets them, but it's it's a, it, it's it is probably the best shot almost to get out of there. They must do that when they dump the dumpsters too. That must be the, like their area that they actually uh, go to. I used to bring um, some filler stuff and some signs out and blockers. But, you know, sometimes when you get hit with one or two rats, they really move stuff. Like, it's shocking. Like, oh, even heavy wow. stuff. Like, when they have to get through something, like, they're, you know, fighting for their life, they'll, you know, they'll, they'll move them. Uh, they're really athletic animals, too. People. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Like, the ones that they survive or whatever. You know, it's yeah. like, you know, they're living in a tough world uh, where, you know, and once again, as it's disappointing is, it's one of those species that we're losing to. Like, they're not, you know, not supposed to be here. They're not helping out any part of us in any way, you know. Yeah, not, you're doing uh, a real service on multiple levels. Yeah. Right. I was going to ask you, too, what what quality is the race? Because I wonder if people are imagining that rats are slow. What What's this race like? They're pretty fast, I'm assuming. They are. They are. It's, it, it, once again, it is a short burst because a lot of times there's a hole in the sidewalk. There's uh, some fence, there's some little area that they can get under that he can't. Um, so a lot of times we're talking within like three to twelve, uh, three to twelve feet is like a fair, like kind of the, the real blast before they can duck into something. Yeah, uh, the, you know, there's always the uh, when he gets them basically in the ass and he's pulling them out as they're like yeah. in the hole. Which is, that's you know, it's like that. It, you can get worried that he's busting up his nose a little bit, slamming into those like. That's the one thing why I have to have Mohannes. When he's going at it, he has just, you know, as, as you know, that true working dog stance, no self-concern about himself at all. Yeah. Like, uh, Terriers take know. that to the next level, too. They're yeah, so tough in game. Yeah. Well, it's the same thing, too. It's like, just being honest, it's like those nights, he's into, he's 100% like, you know, he's in the go mode, but he'll always get, like, bit or, like, nipped at or something like that, and then he turns into a whole, like, Oh, like you know, it's you like, want to go, yeah. Like, yeah, he'll he'll then get like you know that little, and I swear until he gets that little bite, he's not the same dog he is afterwards. Like you know, they say like some boxers have to get hit, like you know, this that, but yeah. uh, that's uh, 
Yeah, so, I think I was I was laughing at you. I was having problems with my little Camry. I got that like it's all my dog stuff. So, uh, but yeah, I, I had the uh, the gutter um, dog box in my passenger seat of my Corvette, and that's what I was actually taking. <laughs> <with> that. <laughs> that's the flyest <laughs> dog rig in the world, it's son. Like, yeah, <laughs> a, I love that. Yeah, I, no, and shamelessly. Shamelessly, I'm inviting myself, dude. I gotta do this with you. I want to so bad. Yeah, yeah, like, uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's like I said. I feel it's, you know, compared to some of the stuff you've been on, I feel like it's, you know, like we said, we just around town with the dog chasing rats. Like, you know, it's like, uh, nah, dude. I don't, it's all the stuff that you guys do. It's like the crazy, you know, whatever. But it's, you know, it is the awkward world that we live in. Like, especially up here, like, you know, fishing. There's no problem with fishing. You can, anyone can fish. Fishing's fine. Uh, once again, catch and release fishing, which like, you know, it's kind of a weird thing in itself. Like, you know, like that's looked upon by as soon as you get into hunting, it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. And then as soon as anytime you involve dogs, like, hold on now, hold on, hold on. Uh, like, you know, it's, it's just that weird, awkward, I don't know. Like, that's why I'm not the biggest poster of it on social media or a lot of the other things. Yeah. I have a separate uh, Facebook, Rosie Ratter is my Instagram and YouTube page. You know, um, I got some stuff up for a time, but my personal stuff, honestly, just cause like, uh, you know, it just becomes like you try to explain to people, they still don't even get it. Like, you know, it's like I get him extra shots. He has extra vaccinations. You know, we look into a lot. You know, it's like. Uh, but what a great species for you to be a, a champion of hunting with dogs because you're hunting in a visible place and you're hunting yeah. an animal that it's like a feral pig. But I'm going to say way worse. I mean, nobody likes rats. You know what right, I mean? Right. No and, benefits. It's no benefit whatsoever. Like, you're you showing know. a dog doing what it's bred for, and you're doing a thing that is a service to the community. And well, you're, yeah, I mean, it's, that, it really is ideal. <laughs> but like I said, that was the thing of why, like, I feel bad that I'm not going in town as much. I'm doing it here. But literally, I had some, like, you know, this little lady that's up there. And like I said, um, we were a kind of tighter suburbial community, uh, you know. And now they have to, I think you build a new home, you have to do like, uh, like basement parking, like you do subterranean parking. So they dig down. So when they do that, like they get a lot of, you know, other rodents and stuff like that. So she was saying she had them all in her backyard and she was all upset. So I was like, well, I got to come by here. It's like funny because like, you don't want to sit, like, go back there. It's like, she, you know, she's like two or three that I keep chasing that are always like this. I think that, like, and once again, they, you know, they keep getting the holes. You try to plug the holes so I can get them. But, like, it's like, I'm like, oh, God, if she even saw what I was dealing with downtown, like, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah. But yes, it, that's the thing. Like, I feel like you want to help out your neighbors more, just in this area, even if we get less strikes. It's, it's just trying to be positive about it, yeah. trying to make, you know, something catchy and stuff. But, it, like, you know, it's, uh, he kind of, Tried a couple of weeks ago when we were in like the square. There's like a little, um, they, they, you know, a uh, little farmers market they do downtown, like in the little at the end of my street, and uh, <laughs> catch the squirrel. <laughs> he goes into a little fight with them, and uh, <laughs> it's just, it was a lot of like crying people. Upset oh <laughs> yeah, isn't it funny how that is? A squirrel, yeah, people care, no, but a rat, it's, it's like no, no big deal. Once again, too, like you know, a joke to like the tree rat or whatever, you know? Yeah, no, yeah. Especially, you know, it's not a squirrel. That's out in the forest eating acorns. It's eating one trash. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's not like, I, I wouldn't eat these ones. Like, yeah. you know, it's, a, it's, it's a different all, it's different all over, you know, beasts. Like the same thing as like when you catch rabbits that are like, you know, field rabbits or actual ones out there. It's like, I would have no problem eating those. I wouldn't eat one from the city, you know, it's, yeah. they're, uh, so it's a little different. Break down, break down. I'm going to ask you, do you think you have an overall positive view from, random people you come across or are you usually kind of secluded 
alone? Like, well, what, I, what do you think? I, um, like I said, um, there, I, you, you find it seems like I found people uh, that like, like my name is not out there through different people that like, um, like I said, I started doing some community gardens and they connect me to other community gardens. And then, like, so, like, I'll go to places at night that I can open up and just let them go free. And, like, you know, so it almost seems like every place, whether it's mines or rats, they have something. And they'll just run around and catch one or two or something like that. So, it, you know, I, I kind of got a positive around there. Then, like, it's funny. Um, there's a couple other, you know, more wealthier areas downtown that, like, people are like, hey, you know, like, I'll pay you to come by my place. You know, like. Uh, there it is. So, but, like, <laughs> the only problem with that is, which I have found is, like, you know, they kind of want results too when they're like, yeah, one yeah. like, you know, so it's like playing one or two rats a week doesn't really seem like it's enough. So it's like, ah, you know, you know, I need more dogs, but then like I get more folk, uh, you know, I still have a full-time right. gig. That's right, really, right. And, um, but uh, another kid that I know that does this in New York, he did a real smart thing where uh, he, <laughs> he does a lot of solo hunting with two dogs. Um, and he's, what did he do? Um, I think uh, he's put up a charity for like a dog site that people could like donate to. And like, then if you donate, you could put your address in New York and he would come by your area and try to hit up wherever. Oh, you that's were. cool. That's yeah. Smart. yeah. But, that's smart. Yeah. He worked so at a kennel. But yeah. You have one hunter now, if you were to get another hunter, tell me what the ideal dog for what you're doing is and why you pick that type. Well, um, I, you know, uh, okay. It's kind of weird because I, I did the, like a lot of times people get one small dog and one kind of like, almost like what you would have, like what are your smaller, like hair hound, you know, kind of thing, like a whippet kind of thing. But I kind of was thinking I'm just planning on keeping one. Uh, Decorat Terry is kind of in the middle. He's a little bit taller of a, uh, he's a little bit taller of a, sorry, he's ripping place hot right now. I can uh, hear him going crazy yeah. back there. <laughs> yeah. He's uh He's a little taller than a regular terrier, so they get a little more speed first. But still, for what I do in the city, I'd still say small is where it's at. Yeah. Um, you, you know, <laughs> uh, small is probably where it's at. Over, um, you know, the those the long ones can really get those like the runners that shoot down the street and make the run for it. It seems like those are perfect for them when they can just start to stretch their legs and grab them. You know, but uh, it really does seem that the smaller terriers for once we, like we talked about before, just getting them around, too. Yeah. Some, like, a couple fenced-in, like, I guess I should have talked about, fenced-in older cemeteries that I'm able to take them out, put them on the other side. They run, can sometimes grab one and come back, and I can just pick them up and put yeah. them over. I think it's, a small dog know, would be ideal. Yeah, I agree with you it, fully. You know, yeah. it's, it's easy to get around. The, the, you know, all the terriers naturally have that instinct. Sometimes you wish they were a little smarter. But, uh, <laughs> The Jack Russells are great, uh, you know, true Jack Russells. Uh, the, the Deckers, I almost feel like the Plumber Terriers, uh, the Jack Russells are a little taller. <coughs> but, so you're um, saying just a tough, speedy Terrier really is ideal. I mean, you really seem to... Yeah, you go for the smaller one. I mean, yeah, it, it, it's hard because it's just like, you know, if you collect cards, like you can make an excuse why all three are great. Like, you know, it's like, yeah. but uh, I, just for what I'm doing, I think now, like I almost look at him as kind of, because he is almost 40 pounds is like the taller, the bigger dog out. Like, you know, it's like, I'd almost love to get that like 15 pounder or smaller mm. little guy that could really get into those dumpster holes that like, you know, yeah. it's like, you know, you know, almost a little bit more of a butter or he'll dig, but can't really get down that low. I don't want to be going deep in, but there's definitely some places around the parks and holes that are 
like um, just enough that like if he was down a little more, like you could definitely block off other sides of it. Like there are a couple that he's a little too big for. So in, in my situation, small, I'd probably yeah, small terrier would still be the way to go. I think. Now I'm a sighthound guy, so I'm I'm just I can't yeah. help myself. What if you took like a Jack Russell and crossed it to an Italian Greyhound, or is that too much speed? Oh no no no! This this all trust me. Those are all those are all fantasy island dogs that I would absolutely like adore. Like you know, if I had the, you know, it's like it, it's just so many uh, you know poss- possibilities and like the idea of something like that, you know, a terrier or some kind of small dog like that crossed with like one of those real like fast dogs is absolutely like you know, whip it one of your, you know, sight hounds kind of thing, or, you know, oh, it's, it's, there's a lot of good ideas out there. And, um, what's the other one that's, uh, yeah, just oh, so many possibilities. Uh, but I think you're right probably... though, where you're not trying to reinvent the wheel. I think a small, speedy and super tough terrier really is pretty ideal. I think, yeah. It, the city it is, uh, you know, different areas get into different, uh, possibilities. Like, some, when you see the field videos, there's sometimes more of a break chase if they have more open land to get. Yeah. And like sometimes, even in those things, uh, you know, sometimes you'll have German shepherds that work really well. Uh, yeah, that, like, um, uh, you know, one of those, the other guy is probably the best dog he had on that uh, other the series on YouTube. He does uh, the Mink Man guy. Uh, oh, yeah. The Belgian that uh, was absolutely phenomenal. But just because they want to please. So if you give them a job. Oh, yeah. Do, it's like, once again, it's like, yeah, I can do this. Like, you know, it's like, and you see with that, it, it, you know, that's where the intelligence of the animal comes in. That like, that like gets what you needed to do. Like whether it's like to almost herd them sometimes or whatever, but yeah, uh, yeah. But for my situation, but truthfully it is too. There's no, there's no answer to anything better than just more dogs. The easiest way for me to catch more rats would be more dogs. Yes. Yeah. The, the, factor there's no other way around it but. everybody listening to this is like oh yeah of course i just need a couple <laughs> <Yeah>. more dogs so you go you get to a spot that you've been scouting out you're 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 using google earth to look for those great dumpster sites and then you well, get and there also too, originally uh boston if you have a complaint and see a rat they have like an app and you can take a picture of it and it marks it so they actually have a grid of like what the problem areas are that they want to fix. So um, it's funny. A lot of the areas you find out that's uh, more people just seeing them than they're actually there. Yeah, yeah. But they did lead to a couple spots that were very much, uh, very much. Um... Holy crap! What I hear him? He's ready to go hunting back there. Yeah, we're gonna. We'll, we're about not. After this, we're probably like uh, just once it gets dark. Probably for us around ten o'clock. That's when he goes out. So like today too, it's been so hot up here, like ninety five degrees. To, you know, during the day, which you might laugh at, but uh, for us up here, it's pretty hot. So well, we've yeah. been keeping it low. <laughs> we've been keeping it low key. So uh, it's like you know, just being able, to, you know, taking small walks and stuff like that. So by the end of the day, he's ready to definitely kill something. Yeah. So you're out here. What is a, I, I was going to go back to that. So I'm envisioning this hunt in my head. I'm, I'm like, oh no, it's all good. I'm like with you right now. So you get to a spot and the dog is on fire. Rats are scurrying everywhere. What is a really great night's hunt? What what kind of numbers are you expecting to catch, not to see? And then what's an average night, would you say? Right, right. I'm thrilled when it's over a dozen. I'm thrilled when it's over a dozen, honestly. Like, it's, uh, it's a great, it's to catch, to catch. It's like, you know, that's like, yeah. Um, and mind you, usually when it's a dozen, it'll be like, you know, I got like five over here, and then I moved to the other spot, and got, you know, six over there, but still just one night out. Um, 
But uh, yeah, over a dozen is wonderful. I'd say on the average night downtown, uh, three to five, three to six is very very common. Um, but uh, you know, my like I said, my best night where like I've used the poker and like just the place has been absurd. You know, you know I, I've gone well over like you know since getting more into it than those other dumps is like well over twenty twenty five there, then another ten fifteen now at the other walking the other you know, full like. You know, it was just like such a hot night, so much moving. The dog was like, literally had to stop to like he like we we took him once, and I keep a cooler with me, and I'll put some ice packs in there, and he kind of leaves yeah. on the cool. And uh, then like once again, I'll see how he feels if he wants to go out some. Usually, he's almost always ready to go again. Uh, then we get down there, but like he was just like I could tell out of it. Like like once I run to the car, he's like kind of barking, but once we got just oh, like two blocks away. He was like, oh, oh, like, you know, like, uh, <laughs> yeah. so, you know, I try to keep his temperature, see, you know, and also uh, keep him cool all the time. Uh, but like, probably, yeah, with me poking, it's not like, we definitely had to have nights and we've got probably close to 40. Uh, I, per, once again, that's like the godsend best nights, you know, like everything works out great. But, you know, three to six with probably a, a 20 chases is very average. Uh, you know, it's... Um, like I said, there's always, you know, if I had more dogs, it really changed the situation just because of a lot of times you're doing either a flash, like a complete crash of a place when there's a lot of scatter that they're making, you know, it's one go. But uh, there's also a couple of alleys that are good where they live in these like rat trap boxes that like have poison, but they really just use them as little height houses. What? So, like, we'll, wait, 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 uh, wait, wait. The poison houses is where the rats are hiding. Yeah, they, they, so they put poison in the center of it in the tunnel. You go on one side, and it like goes around the poison and comes back out another side. So like they pass the poison, it's supposed to like be like, oh look, free food. But most of the rats know it's not. So like they'll just literally sit in these little tunnels and chill there. Yeah, that's but so I crazy. To... I mean, yeah, we I talk about an effective to... way that you're also removing rats in a way that doesn't cause secondary poisoning too. You know, right? But just it, it makes you a little nervous. The poison's out there. I oh yeah, true. I carry hydroperoxide with me if he ever does ingest something to make him throw up. Uh, not that, Smart. like, I, I, you know, we try to be aware, but, you know, I, he's never got close to it or anything like that. Like I said, it's very not, it's very rare in these situations, but, like, still try to be aware of it. Uh, but what they'll just sit in there, so I'll get up with the stick and kind of, like, poke it or shake it, like, kind of up on one side. It will run out and he'll be ready right there. And it'll be it's so funny because he'll either to get it or it'll go to the next hot little rat out, little yeah. rat trap in there so that's like okay hey we know it's there let's get set now let's like you know it's like not get ready like yeah but like even when you think like i said i don't take anything to guarantee because like i'm like he'll be inches away from that opening and he'll be ready like you know when there's one coming you know still sneak get by him every once in a while like or he'll get a bite on it and like go to rebite he'll drop it away or just you know things just, happen you, yeah the, the real world happens yeah like, you know yeah. So it's like it's so he's on a leash breakdown because obviously you got to keep him restrained you're in a city like you can't have yeah, him run yeah. out on a road and get hit so what kind of leash setup are you using just a long line uh, or a retractable he's one? he's on a harness and then i'll have a 15 foot lead in hand and it goes to a 30 foot retractable that i have on a, a beaner on my belt perfect yep that makes yeah, sense so yeah. uh, and that's usually he doesn't take more than the 15 plus 5 to 10 you know it stays in that area it feels like a lot of times, too, I'll run with them, like, to kind of get them in. Like, you know, it's like, uh, kind of want to stay on top of as much as you can. But it's, uh, yeah, he, uh, like I said, they're not that long the races. Like, no way. I can't. The videos you sent me, like, I'm so like, Jesus Christ. Like, I think he has <laughs> a lot of energy. 
you know, it's like he's allowed that like terrier and you go, you watch that speed and you just watch like the, the distance. It's like, holy, you know, it's like that whole next level. Like, you know, well, I mean, it's next level in a different way. My dogs aren't running 20 a day. That would kill them. You know what I mean? That's the thing I was going right. to say. Your, your race is what I think sounds so appealing to what you're doing is that you're right there by your house. You're coming out, you're hunting, you're having high action. You know, you're, you're, that's the beauty of hound hunting. I always felt is that, you know, you don't have to be sneaky. You don't have to be wearing tons of camo. You don't have to sit in a tree stand and be bored for hours. We can hang out together, drinking a Dr. Pepper and letting dogs run. You know what I mean? And, and yeah, sure. It takes me whatever between, you know, 20 minutes to four hours to find a jackrabbit. And then it's this one epic chase. And then sometimes you're done for the day or not. Sometimes you got to let them rest like an hour and try again. But What's so appealing about what you're doing is it's like he runs, he catches like four or five. We rest him for like 10 minutes, 20 minutes. We go to the next spot and do it all over again. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I love that. uh, You know, I I was, I got moved in my job to like more of like a a supervisor position. And like I started getting fat and I was like, I just need to get some exercise. And like, I was like, well, the other dogs really don't want to go much walks anymore. They're like, you know, go to the end of the street and back. Like, yeah, we're good. Like, you know, it's like, so. It's great exercise. You're doing it like something for your community. Like, and uh, yeah. that's why I always say, if there's any of the hounds out there, please, please, great way to, if you, want, if you want to start your kids on something, you know, uh, there's lots of small dogs you can get for free that are already ready to go for it. Those are the ones that you should get rid of. That's a uh, great you know, point. Yeah. It, 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 you, the houndsmen that are listening are probably the select people in this world that actually have the skill set to accomplish it, that know what has to, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. actually how to use dog as a proper tool you know it's like too so that's just why you know this lots of people could try doing it but just some people wouldn't get it but like you know it's uh the people that are listening would actually get it well yeah and it's a great way to we all started most big game hunters started on small game and that's a good point well, if you want to introduce someone to it and you have the opportunity that that's a that is a good nugget of wisdom mark I like and you know that. a lot of guys i know that all have hounds this and that they almost have like homestead setups a lot of people a lot of people grow their own food vegetables and you know they hunt other stuff and this and that and a lot of times you end up with you know just pests of your own it's like they're great for your own if you have a farm or something small it's like there's no yeah. reason why you can't you know help yourself out too you know it's uh not saying anyone has rats out there but just like yeah, you know, yeah. they all hey, throughout the, they're, we they're all everywhere. have rats everybody it's, has rats everywhere it's like, yeah. yeah you know and that's awesome. Yeah, I was going to ask you what you thought the future of, of urban rat hunting was going, and you kind of answered it on your own there. Uh, but also, I, I feel like that's a, a great way to market hound, dog hunting to the public in a way that's just like super palatable and uh, like acceptable socially. And look how much fun the dogs are having, you know, oh, like, yeah. any the dog can thing, do this. Like now, now, the other thing, too, is like it's just the rat situation is getting so bad in this country that nobody really is honestly caring anymore about yeah. what, you know, is really, you know, it's like, like, unfortunately, like, you know, it's, they're ready to be like, well, if you're going to bring, you know, long running snipers out, let's just not take it, you know, it's yeah. like, and it's what we got to do. It's, uh, you know, and once again, it's so one of those most absurd things that like, you know, I'm naive to it. It's like, and people that have dealt with them for a while, it's like, you go over and when you see them, you assume like, I can get that, no problem. I can catch it myself. But then like, once again, it's like, what was I thinking? Like, you know, it's like, it's, you know, there's a lot of things trying to catch it that's whole life. That's yeah. what you used to and, be trying to, you know. 
I love that you say that. I do because I feel like jackrabbits have the exact same misconceptions. You know, like a lot of people underestimate rodents in general. You know, right. and right. they are super hard to catch. You know, yeah. if you're you're running twenty and you're catching like six, and people are like, "How is that even possible?" I'm like, "Dude, they are ninjas. That's why." Yeah. You know, right, for a right. rat, a hare, it's like, man, they're these extreme athletes, and and rats are incredible athletes in their own. So. I don't want to dork. I'm a small mammal biologist. This is what I do, you know? So I have a huge respect for, for small mammals, rats, rabbits, all that stuff. So I, I, uh, for multiple levels, I love your story. And I just feel like, you know, you, you had, you had said in your, in your tailgate talk that you were a big game hunter, but you, you kind of gravitated towards hounds because you love the action and stuff. Do you, do you just feel like you're wired to hunt? You know what I mean? Like, I, I just feel like I am. And I always yeah, wondered people yeah. that I mean, like, um, uh, you know, uh, I enjoyed fishing, but to a point, I always kind of felt it was boring unless we were actually working and kind of stuff. So, uh, for a cousin of mine, or a cousin in law of mine, originally, uh, we started talking, he hunted more, so I started with him, and I enjoyed it. But, like, uh, just like you said, I, I think I have ADHD, like, I couldn't sit still, uh, gets to you, but you just have that, like, I want to, whatever. And then when I found out that people kind of do this in some spots, uh, I thought it was really cool, and, like, just right away when I started to look blue when we were just catching rabbits and chasing them, I was like, ah, this is, like, fun, like, you know, but, like, once again, it's like, I don't want to just kill things for no purpose, but I'm like, oh, but there's tons of things here that shouldn't be here that could be killed for no purpose, like, you know, for a reason that would help us, like, you know, yeah. uh, so it, that just makes it that much more, like, you know, a reason to Rewarding. do it. Like. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Thank and also, so accessible, you know? Yeah. You don't, yeah. I hate the commute. And I live in one of the best places in the country to hunt jackrabbits with sight hounds. And even still, I have a between one and four hour commute. I am super jealous of you coming out your door and hunting, you know? Well, that's the other thing, too, is I feel like because uh, a lot of people travel and like, I, you know, it's like I could be doing all different types of pound hunting, driving four hours north. So it's like it's not like see, some people don't have the option at all. And I'm like, yeah. I'm kind of spoiled because if I really wanted to put time in and do, whether it be bear, a coyote, or, any, you know, Maine, and New Hampshire, a lot of those places right above me are okay without, you know, um, people from other states coming in and hunting and this and that. So um, I have it available to me. But like I said, just the easy access when you work a lot. Uh, the second shift, it worked out perfectly. When I get home, I, you know, usually, you know, clean up, chill out for a minute, and then just head them out with them. And it's, you know, nice way to unwind and just relax. Like, you know, uh, it's a good time. <laughs> yeah. Man, that's a handsome little guy. He keeps popping in and out of this video. Yeah. He, he looks great. And so I I, uh, I I just can't get enough of this. I, I really, uh, I, me and you could keep going for hours. 40 minutes just flew by. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Mark, I, I've, uh, I really want to have you come on again. I have more questions for you, buddy. But I just, yeah, I just love that you're, uh, you, you, you're making do and you're, you're uh, kind of blazing a new hound hunting path forward and i just think that's so cool you really are like a pioneer although ratting with terriers has been done for centuries even in urban settings it's like being reborn and i just find yeah. that super alluring that's super I, cool i don't want to miss, uh, say if i think the rats in new york that group that does in new york like maybe i'm mistaken i thought it was the late 90s they actually started so uh it's it's yeah but it was like two people so it was very small but yeah uh, yeah it's but once again, even now, if you think, you say, like, 20 years, that's nothing compared to, like, how, you know. It's yeah, like yeah, that, that, yeah. That is very new in the, the, the scheme of things. But in this urban setting, you are you are a pioneer for for hound hunting. And and don't, you know, I don't care if people are treeing, you know, 600-pound <laughs> bears or catching, like, 300-pound boar hogs. 
the stuff that you're doing is just as valid and awesome. In my opinion, even more awesome. So Mark, I can't thank you enough for joining us at Houndsman XP, man. I have, I use you all the time as an example of how diverse hunting with dogs can really be, man. Really? Uh, no, thank you. Thank you, Seth. You're a great guy. Uh, great show. Like always, and, uh, it always inspires me when I'm out there. Like, love it. Well, Best man, we'll have you on again, and hopefully it's in person, brother, because next summer I'm I'm going to the, I'm going to Boston, bro. <laughs> You're so, welcome anytime, brother. Thanks, thanks for thanks for joining me, and uh, you follow your hounds, and I'll follow mine. Thanks, brother. The rad hunter, the urban rad hunter. <laughs> you ahead. can't suppress the hunting spirit, man. I love it, man. When he's talking about using Onyx to scout like garbage dumps and stuff i'm like that's (laughs) oh awesome like i love that can you believe that the i guarantee i guarantee the executives of onyx never thought of guys like mark donovan setting up trash blinds and stuff oh my gosh i love that i i really do and and i'm i'm going up there i already shamelessly introduced like interjected and i was like dude can i come do this with you and uh, yeah, he has a dog out right now. It's just recovering, but next year he's going to get back into it hard. Life has him busy. So, you know, we're going to, we're going to get back into it and I'm going to be there on the streets. And the beautiful thing about rad hunting is it's done in the summertime. When is my off season? Perfect. I need to face my fears and go out and, and have a showdown with some Norwegian wharf rats. At least the dogs do all the work. You don't have to even touch them. They do it all. <laughs> those are just the nastiest little beasts you ever saw in your life you know what horrible. they are disgusting the urban vo- the urban variety but i'm gonna stand strong for my my wild my wild creatures my my uh rural relatives of the urban rat the desert rats are incredible creatures so i stand with them and you are i wrong. could i could come <laughs> closer to coming out with you and like because you're not crawling through other people's yes, poop absolutely you know I, I agree it's like those little norwegian wharf rats are are responsible for f- millions of deaths in the history of humankind they're so gross i mean i totally they agree are nasty it's, it's, they're they'll also... chew your face off <laughs> <laughs> yeah I've, I've read my fair share of books about world war one and yeah the the stories of the rats in those trenches is just insane i live that I lived that during Desert Storm. We had, after the war, we had some um, established positions and stuff. And, and of course, we're, we're assigned to go there to be an observation post or whatever. Dude, I would wake up in the middle of the night and there would be a freaking rat sitting on my chest looking at me, you know, with, with just with an MRE cracker between his front paws. And I'm just like, ah, I'm done with it. I, you know, I could it's just like, no, never again. The upside about the, the rats that I'm handling is they don't look anything like those nasty rats. They look more like a gerbil and they are super cute. And these uh, were too, but I mean, I, I jumped out, of, you know, you jump out of the fighting hole and throw a white phosphorus grenade in there and cook the whole thing. I, just, I, we, I live right next to White Sands Missile Range and all the time you'll hear them like shooting missiles and blowing stuff up. And I just think like, how many just little unfortunate desert critters were just going on throughout their day, just do 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 boom, just get blown up by a <laughs> missile. And I saw, you know, you could see the sometimes you can see unexploded ordinances, and you just oh, be yeah. like, that was some lucky jackrabbits right there. <laughs> yeah, you bet. You bet. <laughs> well, Chris, if you got anything else to add, brother, this is the time. 
You know, I'm just happy to be a part of All Mixed Up. I give you a hard time, and I call it all kinds of things, all messed up, all <laughs> let your imagination run wild. Uh, but but I enjoy this, and I've I've enjoyed all the episodes. You did a did a great job with uh, Brett Vaughn a couple weeks ago, and mules and different things was cool. And and uh, but the terrier stuff is cool too. I'm I'm liking that. That's something else I'm gonna I'm gonna go down and explore. I got to get a little buffer though. You know what I mean? So I can go dig up some real go hunt like a real man and dig up something. <laughs> you know, I was in, hey I was in Michigan this last week. And, uh, as I was up there and I was walking and, and hiking and different things around Michigan, and it's not my first time, but it made me think about it because of Nate Valley, he's like, oh yeah, we dig, we'll dig groundhogs out of the ground. I'm like, you're digging in sand, dude. <laughs> Come on down. Come on down to, to this area. And I want to see you dig that whole Nate Valley. Come on, bring him terriers and come on down. Let's see what you got, Terry, guys. Come That's dig right. through the, the limestone and the shale. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, I can't. I have no room to talk. I live in Sahara Dunes, so you can you can just get on your hands and knees and dig a hole like a dog and uh, five feet deep in like five minutes. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, well, no. I appreciate you coming on helping me out. Lauren, keep exploring and keep going crazy out there. She, she is. She's always just an adventure. She's always all over the place. And I didn't want to interrupt. I don't even think she has cell phone service anyway. So, uh, Chris, I really appreciate you coming on and helping me out, brother. Pleasure. Well, uh, I'll see you all next month. Thanks again for tuning in to All Mixed Up. You follow your hounds, and I'll follow mine. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>